Didn't Nick do a good job around communion this morning? Come on, put your hands together for Nick. He did so well. My wife leaned over and said, uh, can, you, can you put him on a bit more often? He's very good. And uh, I just want to give a shout out too. I, I never take it lightly. The incredible work that the creative team do week in and week out. And this morning was just, it's not that we grade each Sunday by performance or anything like that, but we are sensitive to the presence and the atmosphere of God. And that has been building and that's something that's been on our heart. I had all the worship leaders over at our house just last week talking about making room for God to come so that He is prominent, He is the main one, and that during the praise and worship, people are being healed, set free, lives are being touched. And I just want to say thank you to all the creative team this morning. You did a, you prepared the way for us this morning. Put your hands together. <coughs> Amen. Let's pray. Oh, can I get another? I'll swap that. This is popping a bit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning. You're already here, you're moving, you're touching lives. And Holy Spirit, we ask, could I invite your church to be part of this corporate prayer now? Holy Spirit, would you touch my life in a fresh way? Speak to me in a new way. Bring healing, restoration, and above all, revival in my heart. Lord, I declare I'm not satisfied. There is more. There is more of you. Help us to make room. Help me to make room in my life. And so, Holy Spirit, I invite you. Have your way in my life today. All I need is you. All I need is you. this house in such a posture that your presence is preeminence in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Shanessa, that, you got the touch, girl. That was so good. Put your hands for Shanessa. 
Shanessa, Shanessa, seven o'clock every night of the week, just come over to our house and play the keyboard in the lounge room for, just while we're having a time of prayer. Well, my brief this morning, and I, I'm going to lead into it. God downloaded a message to the, me this week, and I only hope I can preach it as well as he preached it inside of me. I remember watching uh, Steve Furtick and Bishop uh, T.D. Jakes doing an interview and they both spoke about how the Holy Spirit explodes a message and you hear it and you see it. So I've been praying this week, Lord, help me to be articulate to convey what you've already exploded in my spirit. Oh, well, first of all, I want to say thank you to everyone who participated last week with the giving, I can uh, announce that just last Sunday, as we put the call out to ra raise money for missions, $18,300 came in. Come on, put your hands together. $18,300. We didn't even plan on doing a love offering. We just came on Anzac Day, and God put the call before us about India and the horrific plight over there. And so uh, this morning, I'll, I'll, I'll get to my message, but I just want to touch a couple of things here, that um, our support for India is covering about five key areas, and I've been in touch with them over this week. There's Pastor Arun and Shoba at Southern India in Darwood. They look after all the young kids that have been rescued from child prostitution and uh, helping them, and there's a letter here. I uh, dug up recently concerning the similar work they do, and let me read a little bit of the uh, content of it. thought I had a little bit of a letter here. This is from Arun and Shoba. We left our house at 6 a.m. on the 16th of August. Two of our girls accompanied us to Jagdal, where our church was celebrating the first anniversary. After lunch, we traveled to, I can't pronounce the name, our worker in that area wanted us to meet five new girls who needed admission in our children's home. These girls were all in one of the red light areas of the town. The houses were closely situated and the surroundings were stinking. Many curious eyes watched us boldly. When we reached the dead end of the alley, we stopped before a tiny room. Two small girls came out. One was around 10. Her name is Arti and she was hunchbacked. The other, Giotti, was nine, very malnourished. And soon many men, women, and children gathered around us. We were shocked to hear the story of the hunchbacked girl. Her mother was a prostitute and a drunkard. She got so mad one time at her crying daughter, she beat her with a broomstick so bad it crippled her. Her back is all concaved. Her older sister is HIV, and her body is covered with sores. The mothers of these girls died of AIDS. Their two boys and three girls became orphans when they were very young. No one wanted to be bothered with their responsibility. They begged for food and sometimes they did some odd jobs like cleaning in the restaurant nearby or running errands like bringing liquor from the shop for men who came to prostitute in that area. How in the world can any child live in an area like this? What a miserable life. All around these children, everyday girls who are a little older than themselves are selling their body for a few rupees. Their playground is the dark alleys where men are lurking to buy sex. When they are hungry and needy, 
Instead of being attended by their mothers, they spread their hands in front of strangers. It's just a matter of time before they start selling their body for a morsel of bread. Their elderly neighbour pretended to be very concerned about these two girls, but she tried to stop our worker from bringing them to our home. She had evil eyes on them, thinking that the girls could bring some money for her in just a few years by selling their young bodies. From there, we walked to another house where a young widowed mother wanted her six-year-old daughter to come to us. A few houses away lived another beautiful young prostitute who shouldered the full responsibility of her younger sister, her older sister's two sons, and her three own children. Her older sister, who was also a prostitute, had died a few years ago. Convinced by our staff worker about the reality of short life of a prostitute and the dangers of the red light area, she begged for her two daughters to be taken into our home and give an opportunity for a safe environment and education. We sat on two broken chairs in a kitchen. The room was so small, dirty and hot, and we watched her boil some water and milk. We did not have the heart to refuse her hospitality. She brewed some coffee and served us. Our hearts entwined with these dear ones. Arun clicked a few pictures and showed to the girls. The little ones giggled and giggled. Her laughter touched the core of our being. She made our day. In spite of the jealous neighbours' gossips and discouragements, a volunteer brought them to joyful children's home. The mothers shed some tears while departing, but all the five girls have taken to the home atmosphere like fish to the water. As we write this report, I can hear their happy chatter and laughter. Praise God. Our God is in the business of restoration in their life. Nothing can stop him. Amen? So that's one precious family where I was talking to them on Friday about... Um, our support for them. And so uh, we've got five areas of support that we want to support in India. India's been the epicenter right now. It's imploding. They're saying 300-odd thousand people a day are being COVID positive. The real figure they're saying is between 600,000 to 750,000 a day. It's imploding with the sickness as we talk, which left me to... <laughs> Last week I was in prayer and I'm saying, God, the need is huge. I want to support all of these areas of ministry. I was talking to Africa. I was talking to Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda. These are all men and, and, and families that have been in our life for over 10 years. I heard the story in Kenya in Eldoret where some of you guys have been and, and we heard now because of the COVID situation, they can't work, they can't go to school and some of the young girls that have been going to school for six and seven years and up to high school now and have heard about the gospel and have loved Jesus, now their family are pushing them out and saying, hey, you have to go and sell yourself for us to survive. And the conflict that goes on in the mind of this young girl saying, I was in a safe place with a safe journey with a secure future, but now this has come and what's going on? These are stories that we're hearing. And so I'm here this week and I'm saying, God, there's so much need before us. I want to support all of these areas of ministry every month. I want them to know every month that they've got some sort of support coming in. And I said, God, but we're just a small church. What can we do? And he took me to a passage of Scripture that I want to share with you today. And I feel it's a prophetic word. I feel it's a word for us. I feel that 
if we're open to it and we embrace it, God's going to do something fresh in our church from this Sunday concerning this subject. And so uh, this is why I've really been praying this week about this word. Now come with me to um, 2 Kings chapter 4. It's a story about Elisha and a widow. One day, can we read that verse together? One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors, then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing, her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left over. In the Bible, there's two passages of Scripture concerning two prophets and two widows. Two situations where two prophets go to a house looking for their needs to be met and in both situations, both have widows that have nothing. The other one is in 1 Kings chapter 17. We see here now it's Elijah. He's the, he was the forerunner. There was Elijah who touched Elisha. This is the forerunner, the first prophet. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath and he arrived at the gates of the village he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Say first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always, say always. There will always be enough flour. There will always be enough oil left in your containers. Say until. Until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops go grow again. There will always be enough until change comes. There will always be enough 
until the season changes. There will always be enough until the circumstances change. Don't worry about that. I've got the circumstances in India I'm looking after. I'm orchestrating global movements happening. But I want you to know there will always be enough in your house. And I will keep that oil flowing. I'll keep that oil growing until the circumstances change. Don't worry about it. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always, say always, always enough flour, Mark, and always enough oil, just as the Lord had promised. A couple of points as we go through. Number one, there was the reality of the situation. When the prophets came, they, they didn't hold back and say, uh, oh, we're, we're doing okay. No, they were real. There was the reality of the moment. She said, listen, my husband is dead. He's gone. And I've just got a little oil, and I'll tell you what, prophet, I'm preparing for the last meal. My mind is already locked into my current circumstances on the facts. My conversation has already changed to the certain facts. And this was the reality of the moment we're in a tough place with little to give. Many churches right now around the world could be faced with the reality of the moment instead of the response to the faith. The second thing is there was the release of the divine key. He said, okay, I want to help you. What do you have in your house? The prophet comes up to the widow. Second Kings chapter 4, it says that she was the widow of a prophet. Some church historians say that this was Obadiah. Obadiah, if you go back and track his history, Obadiah was the one that rescued a hundred prophets and took them up into the mountains. Obadiah was the one that got the food together. Obadiah was the one that protected the prophets. And the, and the widow comes and says, you know me, I'm not a stranger. My husband was a prophet, but look at my current circumstances. Thank God you've answered my prayers, Lord, and you've sent a prophet. And the prophet turns around and goes, I'll answer your problem. I'll answer your solution. What do you have? What do you have? The answer is in your house. And the third thing we see is they responded to facts, not faith. I don't have a single piece of bread. I only have a handful of oil. And I only have a little. I have a single little piece. I have a handful. And I only have a little. That was my prayer this week. I said, God, you see the size of our church. You see the needs that we have. We only have a little. We only have a handful. We've only got this. And God says, Mark, what do you have in your house? This is how we as a church could respond. This is how I could respond as your pastor. I don't have much. I only have a little. But God wants to speak to us this morning. You see this very important point, And I want you to get this right at the beginning. The whole passage of Scripture about the prophet and the widow at Elisha and Elijah, get this, had nothing, nothing to do making sure that the prophet got fed. Had nothing. These passages of Scripture had everything to do 
with exposing, illuminating, and highlighting how to get and make room for a miracle. Both these women were brought out into the place of a miracle. And the Lord spoke to me from this passage and he said, Mark, the principles and power released into both of these women's lives is what I desire to do in the hearts and lives of the people here today in this church called life. Both of these women encountered the power and presence of God in their lives. Miracles took place. And this is the divine proposal that God is putting before us today. Number one, this is the divine proposal. The divine proposal is the power of first. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. And God was saying to me, Mark, you can make all your plans, you can make all your budgets, you can do what you're doing for the church, set up the structure, the salaries, do all those things, pay the bills. But Mark, if you want to see a miracle take place in your church, if you want to see a miracle download of faith, number one, always remember the divine proposal says this, always put me first. Always put me first. Put me first in your home. Put me first in your marriage. Put me first in your finances. Always put me first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek me first. Seek me first. And it didn't change. The prophet, you've got to understand, Elijah was at a brook. He was getting fed by the ravens. And it says the brook dried up. And God said, I've got a place. I've got a person. And I've got a promise. Go to this place and this person. And you'll get your needs met. So prophet Elijah rocks up and he thinks, I've got a wealthy house I'm going to, a house full of finance, a house full of this. And he knocks on the door and who opens the door? A widow making her last meal about to die. God, did I hear you right? God said, Elijah, it's got nothing to do with you. It's got everything to do with her. Elijah, I'll, I'll meet your needs. You'll get a feed. But beyond the feed, I want to release a future. I want to release a future over a woman who's given up a hope. I want to release a future and a faith over a woman who says she's only got a little. I want to re-release a future and a faith over the woman who says, I can only see a little. I want to break some fresh oil over this woman's life, Elijah, and you're going to play a part. But the first thing you must tell her about the divine promise is put me first. The power of first. The second thing is, this divine proposal was the divine promise, the promise of plenty. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always, say always, Say always. There will always, tell the person beside you on your left, there will always be enough. There will always be enough. There will always be enough. This is not just some chant. This is not some empty rhetoric. This is not something. This is a conviction in my heart after walking with God for over 40 years. There will always be enough. I was at Bible college and we were living fortnight to fortnight with two young kids, paying rent, doing Bible college, studying, trying to work. And one day I'm walking across the college and I saw these students and I went over to pray for them. 
And I said, what's wrong? And she said, oh, this has been cut off. And the other one, well, my families are broken down and they were supporting me. We've got nothing. I went home. I said to Michelle, we've got to start paying some money for the college students. I don't want to go up and say, give money. I know who they are. We're going to write out and put some money and sneak it in their little mailbox where they get their assignments. And I used to love going over there when all the mail came out. All the assignments came in. I remember putting in those little envelopes and sitting back in there and I've got a cup of coffee and I'm watching students come up and hesitating to pick up their assignment with a grade reading and, oh, I hope I've got to pass. But there's an envelope and the envelope said, I've heard your prayer. And I remember with joy watching them open that and there were some dollars in there. But I also remember the conversation I had in the kitchen at our little two-bedroom flat at Bible College. And I'm saying, we've only got enough. We've only got enough for our kids. We've got, we've got enough to do this. And, and it's always there. But I prayed, always, always, always God had more. There was always enough. As soon as I started to open up and start to give money and bless the students, all of a sudden I got a phone call. Here's a job opportunity. And promotion came, Dave. End up with a great job. And God's saying, listen, the divine proposal has put me first. The second is the divine promise, the promise of plenty. And he said, Mark, this is your posture I want you to take from today concerning all of India. All the relations I've brought you in. I got a chance to speak to George and Charlotte's family in India on Friday. Beautiful, beautiful couple. I think it's Dennis and Janet. Beautiful couple. And I got talking to them, and after half an hour, I fell in love with them, and I just, just wanted to stay on the Zoom meeting, and they're beside the slums, and they've got this young boy with AIDS at the moment, he's in hospital, and they're trying to care for him, and my heart's going out to these divine connections, and I'm saying, God, I want to help these people, and God is saying to me, listen, son, put me first, just put me first. And there will always be enough in the house. There will always be enough to do what you want to do in the community. There will always be enough to what you want to do in the church here. There will always be enough. But put me first. Put me first. So he gave me the divine steps. Number one, reach up. Draw down faith. It takes faith to put God first. It takes faith for that little boy to hand over his meal to Jesus. I can see there are 5,000 people and the disciples are going around and Jesus is there. <laughs> and, uh, and they're going, and Jesus knows. He knows everything. You know, he knows there's 5,000 people. A couple of the disciples come up and said, it's late in the afternoon. McDonald's is about to close. We need to get out of here quick. Jesus said, what about these? Yeah, well, they've had a good day. Some got healed. Jesus said, sure, we can feed them. One guy was so good. He had the gift of administration and accounting on his life. He took his, won't be a minute, went away and calculated how many days salary it would pay. Just to come back and say, Jesus, it'll take 16 days, four hours of salary to pay for this. Jesus, I don't want your facts. I want your faith. And so he goes over. One just walks by and goes, oh, oh Shanessa's got a ham sandwich and an orange. <laughs> so he goes over and says, give me that. I can just imagine this guy walking over. Jesus, I've got a ham sandwich and a little apple. I can see a couple of the righteous disciples going, and where did you get that? Oh, that little kid over there. That's just like you. You steal from the kids, you little thing. Poor little kid. Give me a... Jesus, stop. Bring it here. 
those two religious disciples go, he better not take this little sandwich of this little boy. I'll rip his arms off. Jesus said, give it here. Give me the little bread. Give me the fish. I'm sure people were going, I'm never going back to that church. They steal from the kids. They rip off kids just to get what they want. Jesus was showing this. Put me first and watch what happens. So he gave. We see the miracle. The first posture we must as a church take is reach up and draw down faith. Whatever comes towards us with these connections we have in these India places here. Do you want to just open the door down the back? Thanks, Jolie. Put that aircon on, just this one on the left. Reach up and pull down faith. Say, reach up. How do we do that? Pull down faith. Go out and collect as many empty pots as you can. What do the empty pots represent? Unfulfilled promises and answers to my prayer. God said, the first thing I want you to do, Mark, I want you to go and gather as many empty pots as you can. I want you to start going through the Bible because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And whatever particular need you're facing right now, I want you to gather those pots. I want you to gather those scriptures. I want you to gather those promises. I want you to gather those promises of faith. I want you to start to store them up that my God shall provide all my need. My God shall not see me lacking anything. My God shall provide for me today. Start to gather those promises that you see want to be filled in your life. If you're believing for a healing, I want you to go and gather some empty pots. I want you to start to search the scripture, pull down the verses, pull down the promises, start to build them in your life, start to pour over them over there, start to pray over them. You're believing for that marriage to come together. Start to build your faith by collecting empty pots, unfulfilled promises. Pull out the scriptures that talk about restoration. Pull out the scriptures. Empty pots that are yet to be filled. God will meet my need. But he wants to pour into my tomorrow the empty pots. Second thing, the posture I want you to take, Mark, as a leader, is always resist fear and shut the door. Shut the door, why? She goes out. She starts to gather all the empty pots. She comes in and she shuts the door. Very important. I've learned this over the years. I've learned this over the years. I've got before God and I've cried out to God on certain things. And God has come and exploded in my heart faith. And he's given me a word. He's given me a scripture. And it's exploded and it was so powerful. And what I've done is I've gone and told other people, I've said, listen, you won't believe what God told me. You won't believe what God's promised me. You won't believe what God's going to do in my life. And I shared about what God's going to do. And I got this response. Are you sure? I don't think so. Are you, are you really sure? I thought I was until I met you. 
over my life. I got excited at a meeting as a young fellow and I wanted to bless God and I wanted to do things for God. And I ran out and I got home and I got before God and I said, God, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna sow this and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna serve here and oh God, I, I just wanna do it. And, and I got so excited, I knew it was God. And then I opened up and I shared with two or three people about what I was gonna do and they went, are you sure? Have you, have you sat down and questioned what you're going to do? Not yet. Do you think I should? I would. What am I doing? I'm taking a holy moment and a holy conversation and a holy download and I'm bringing it before someone who was not even there in the meeting and I'm asking, what do you think? He said, when you go and get the pots, when you gather them, take them into your house and shut that door and nail that door and put it up. Can you imagine her neighbours? Her neighbours are over there two streets away, Joshy. They're preparing her obituary. They're over there doing, I'm, do, I'm going to do the eulogy because I know her the longest. You know, they're having their last meal. They're about to die. And I know the two kids too. So come on. And they're preparing the whole lot. And all of a sudden, you know, they're talking about who's going to look after the kids and who's going to do this. And they're all in this conversation in the community about this woman's last rites. And all of a sudden, the woman comes up and she says, excuse me, yes, do you have any empty pots? An empty pot? What for? I've got excess oil. Oh, the poor woman's lost her mind. She's flipped. And so she does that. She says, just give me the empty pot. Oh, give, give her the empty pot, whatever appeases her, just let it go. And as she's walking out there saying, oh, the poor sister, oh, Jesus, touch her mind. She's mental now. And so she goes up to the next door. Yes, do you have an empty pot? What for? And uh, she says, I've got excess oil. Excess. Oh, whatever she wants, give it to her. Oh, Jesus, touch her mind. Heal her. Poor darling. I'm sure after the sheep left and went home, straight away the women ran around the town and said, let's have a committee meeting quick. Let's get together. Let's get together quick, quick. Sister so-and-so, she's lost her mind. Now, what are we going to do? I know what we're going to do. We're going to formulate these, what do they call those things? When you bring a guy together who's an alcoholic, and intervention. We're going to have an intervention meeting for this poor woman. She doesn't realize where she's at, what's going on. And so we're going to come together. And so all of a sudden they're formulating this. But the prophet says, no, you shut that door. Tell the neighbor beside you, I'm shutting the door. Shut that door. Number two, release faith. Do it now. It says here, so she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after the other. Start today. I got off the phone on Friday, spoke to these couples, spoke to these ones, listening to the stories. The last thing they want right now because it's just going through all the communities. Pastors are dropping like flies due to this COVID. And I just went ahead. I just said, okay, I'm sending you money now. So we shot $1,000 off to one, shot another $1,000 off to another one. I'm telling all of our partners, I said, listen, 
We're going to get with our board and we're going to work out how much we got. This is not just a once-off giving. We want to give to the end of the year so that every month you know there's an amount coming in. And that's the heart of this message. The heart of this message today has got nothing to do with the people in India. It's got everything to do with the people in this house. And God is saying, listen, will you release a message over your people? Will you release a message of faith over your church? Because, Mark, I'm going to cause this church. Something's going to happen today if we respond that will take our church into trajectory for the next five years and ten years we'll look back in five years and go something happened on this day when we responded by faith when we stood up by faith something happened and changed the trajectory of this church release faith do it now so she did as Elijah said and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days there was always enough all her debts were paid. She did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. And soon every container was full to the brim. Oh, Lord, every container filled to the brim. Your promises delivered, your prayers answered by putting God first, resisting facts and moving by faith, understanding there's promise and provision for tomorrow. Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left over. This passage of Scripture has nothing to do with the prophets. Just down a bit, thanks God. It has everything to do with the widows. Everything to do with the widows. This situation in India will stand, will rise up, as a church will move first. It's got nothing to do with them at the moment, this message, but it's got everything to do with us. Us as a church. Us as a collective. And God is saying, Mark, I want to use this situation, this COVID situation. I want to break fresh oil over your lives today to deal with faith. I want you to see that I am big enough. I want you to see that I am big enough to answer your needs, whatever comes along in the future with this church. You will mark it by these principles that I put into your life on that Sunday. So what do you do when God suddenly shows up on your front door and presents a need? How do you respond? We can say, I have a little. I don't have much. Oh, there's only enough for me and my family. As I mentioned earlier, do you think God knew what the widows had? Of course He did. Do you think He knows about your position? Of course He does. Do you think He knows about our church's position? Of course He does. He knows exactly what we're facing. He knows exactly where we are. And God was using this situation 
to allow his principles and a place of trust to come in to these women's lives. So to the church today, I ask this question, do you believe? Do you believe what? Do you believe God's big enough to look after you? Do you believe God's big enough to look after your needs? Do you believe God's big enough to look after your children? Do you believe God's good enough to, big enough to look after your grandchildren? Look after your health, look after your marriage? My encouragement to you today is, can you make room for a miracle? Can you make room for a miracle? This is my heart. My heart's response has got nothing to do with finances today. My heart's response is that something of faith would be released in you in a fresh way. I would love to see something faith hit your heart. You grow and in five years time, I see, man, what happened? It was that message, Pastor Mark, that message about a miracle in the house. It was that message. Your faith from today will help you when you're believing for your own home. Your faith today will help you when you're believing for that child that's received that medical report and there's no conditions left. And you're gonna say, I've got a faith. I'm not gonna be taken by facts, but I'm gonna see by faith. I'm gonna put God first and the principles of God will flow through, not just for finance, not just for healing, not just for restoration, but it's a practice and a principle of a rhythm of life. Put God first. I wanna encourage the young ones. Put God first. Even start now when you get home, talk to mum and dad. Mum and dad, how can I put God first? I want to talk to the to the, the pensioners, the widows. I was praying this morning. I want to see you make a couple of cakes and put a couple of cakes together and bring it to church and sell them for $10 a cake. Beautiful big apple cake and beautiful big banana cake. Sell them for $10. That's $20 a week. What does $20 do? It pays for education for one child for a whole month. Two cakes. Everyone can participate in this miracle by putting God first. Everyone. So my prayer is, God, break the oil, the oil of faith over this house today in a beautiful way. Friday, I heard a song and exploded in my heart. And the song's title, I think it is, But We Believe. And the words say this, they say this mountain can't be moved. They say these chains will never break, but they don't know you like I do. There's power in your name. We've heard that there is no way through. We've heard the tide will never change, but they haven't seen what you can do. There is power in your name so much power in your name so move the immovable break the unbreakable god i believe god we believe for it from the impossible we'll see a miracle god i believe god we believe it we know that hope is never lost for there is still an empty grave God, we believe no matter what, there is power in Your Name. So much power in Your Name. So move the immovable, break the unbreakable. God, I believe. God, we believe for it. From the impossible, we'll see a miracle. God, we believe. God, we believe. So what I want to do now 
how I land this message. I'm a big one for taking steps of faith and moving and stepping up out of my chair and moving somewhere. So I'm moving. I'm doing something. We're praying for our this time next year. We've still got our prayer cards for that. But on your seats, there's a little bit of paper. And it's called, do we have that handy, Kenny? Peter? I'm just being obedient to the Holy Spirit with this. It's called collecting empty pots. And what I want you to do is this. As this message has been resonating within you, I want you to respond. Now, this is just up to you. This is between you and God. And I I want you to write down, Michelle and I were talking about this before Sunday, and we were reminded about a promise that we want to write on our card today. And I want to collect this empty card, and I want to bring it out. I want to say, God, I believe. I believe you can. And I'm stepping up. And Lord, with the seed that I'm sowing to this miracle, I'm putting you first. But I'm putting in another empty pot, Lord, that I want to see filled. I want to see it filled in my life. I want to see it filled over my family. I want to see it filled in my house. And this is your collecting empty pots form. So we're going to play just that instrumental for a little bit longer. Then we're going to come to the song. Listen to me. This is important. The song is not to be listened to and just to receive and say, that's a beautiful song and sit there. This is your song. These are your words. Position yourself on the stage as a song has been sung and you're there and you're declaring it. If you want to get out and move around and walk over there and declare, I believe as the song builds. This is your song because I know it says the prophet came to the barren woman and he said, "Uh, listen, I'm going to release seed and fertile seed over you, but I want you to sing, sing barren woman in the song this the spermatic word is going to be depositive. And I know I've prayed enough, I've felt it enough, I've sensed God enough that as we sing this song, God is going to transact with you and explode something fresh in faith in your life that you'll walk different from today. So I encourage you to participate. You can sit there and participate. You can walk around. But I want this song to be your song. Thank you, instrumental. Just play that now. We'll give just a minute just to write on that there. A promise I haven't seen fulfilled yet. A prayer I've put in. Making room for a miracle. That's the title of this message. I want to make room for a miracle. I want to make room. So God, I'm going out by faith. I'm not looking just at the facts. I'm going to move by faith. I'm going to put you first. I'm going to trust you. And this week, Lord, I'm going to go and collect more empty pots. I'm going to go through the Bible. I'm going to pull all my scriptures together. Healing scriptures, miracle scriptures, financial scriptures, restoration scriptures. And I'm going to write out cards. And I'm going to pray over them. It says she poured oil upon them. She prayed over them in the spirit. She poured oil. She poured oil. And as each one gets answered, as each one gets filled, put it aside. Thank you, Father, for filling that answer. I'm going to start to pour oil. Pray, 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 pray. As that one gets filled, I put it aside. God, I'm going to keep putting these empty prayers, these empty promises. I'm going to see them filled, Lord, as I'm praying over them. Holy Spirit, I've done the best I can. It's over to you now.
As we're about to start this song, Holy Spirit, would you transact right now? Would you do something? Would you come and touch this precious church family called life? Would you richly deposit faith in and across every generation, I pray today? Our widows, our senior folk, our young folk, our young people, Lord, in your name, amen. Can you get the words to that song ready now? And as it starts and starts singing, you just come, put your prayer in the pots, and let's start to engage with the words of this beautiful song. They say this mountain can't be moved. Yes. They say these chains will never break. Come on, come on. They don't know you, Lord, like we do. There is power in your name. Yes. We've heard that there is no way through. Holy Spirit. You can come and put them in the pot now if you want to. They haven't seen what you can do. There is power. There is power, so much power in your name. Let's declare it, church. Move the immovable, break the unbreakable. God, we believe. God, we believe for it. From the impossible, we'll see a yes. No way, no way. There is still an empty grave. For there is still an empty grave. God, we believe. God, we believe no matter what. Let this church be filled with the sound of faith today. God is doing something fresh, something new in our church today with faith. Oh, 
Declare it, church. than enough God you're more than enough God will put you, you first said, I believe I believe you said it, it is done. done you said I Church. You said it, I believe it, Lord. It doesn't matter what oh. 
Just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit right across the church here today. Let this house be filled with the Spirit. Let's pray now in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Lord, you're doing something. You've already begun. You're touching hearts right now. I'm mindful of Chloe in a little cul-de-sac in Bundaberg, Queensland. It was her big day. Her big day to ride her little bike without her little training wheels. <laughs> she was talking about it all week. And so on Saturday we go out in there and we've got the little bike. Took the training wheels off and she said, Dad, you sure? I said, sweetie, you can do it. Just believe. Daddy, but will you, go, are you, will you be with me? Sweetheart, I'm right behind you. You can hear my voice. Daddy, if you're there, I'm okay. I'm okay. So she hopped on the bike. I said, what are you doing? I'm just checking. You're still there. I said, I'm still here. I said, now, sweetheart, you ready? Yes. Do you believe you can do it? Yes, Daddy. And I pushed her off. She said, Daddy, I'm doing it. Daddy, I'm doing it. Daddy, I'm doing it. And I was up behind her. And I'm going, yes, sweetheart, yes. Go, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then I stopped. And I said, keep going, keep going. And she turned around. And when she saw I was back about 10 paces, she'd come off. And she said, Daddy. You said you'd be beside me. I said I was. At the beginning, I gave you the push. And when you heard my voice, you took off. You believed in my voice and you worked. And I saw you starting to go and I saw you starting to grow and I just stood back. She said, Daddy, why were you standing back? And I said, honey, I just wanted to enjoy the moment of you stepping out in faith. And this first move, what we're doing, it's bigger than India. It's bigger than meeting a couple of families. It's bigger. And I felt God say, listen, son, if you release this word of faith in the house, your future is resting on today. Your unfolded destinies are coming out of today. And I want to explode and release and deposit a belief that I'm there. If you will just take faith, if you will put me first, if you will seek me out, 
if you will trust me, if you will just believe. Watch what I can do. Let's lift our hands across the auditorium. Could you join me as we lift our hands? As two things, a place of surrender, and the second thing is an indicator of pointing to Him, Father, I believe. I believe, I believe, I believe. Just say that I believe. I believe. It even says, John the Baptist, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Lord, I want to believe. I want to believe. And Lord, I believe you're doing something fresh in this church today. You're depositing fresh faith today. You're touching the widows and the singles and the young and the youth and the elderly. Lord, you're touching them. Father, miracles are being unleashed today. As faith goes up, promises come down. As faith goes up, healings come down. And like a proud father, I was of my daughter. It says in your word, Lord, that you are joyful at our faith. You're pleased with our faith. So, Father, help us. Help us today as we become a house of faith, a household of faith. Thank you, Father. I want to thank you for this precious church family. I want to thank you for the young ones. I want to thank you for the young adults. I want to thank you for the seniors. I want to thank you for their own measure of faith. We honor that today. song together all I need is you just tell him all I need is you this is our last song of devotion our last word of declaration all I need is you
it in my message I'm just going to finish on this I just why the faith because God wants us to stand not just for last Sunday and this Sunday but he wants us to stand every month until the end of the year to lift up the hands of those in India to help them and that's why we need faith that's why we're going to put God first. So I just in advance just want to say thank you. Thank you to the young people that already put their little money aside for weeks. I want to say thank you to the, the elderly and the widows. And as it says, there will always be enough. And the widow found, she said, I found that there was always enough until the season changed. We will look back after this journey will say God you've been faithful we've met the pastors we've met their needs and the COVID situation changes and we're praying for that too but more than that more than that we will turn around and look in the mirror and say God I was changed I was changed in the journey I was changed so Father take the seed shared today Deposit it deep and rich within the hearts of our family here today. Holy Spirit, cover it, nurture it, let it bring forth a harvest. And everyone said, Amen. Turn around and tell the person behind them, you're looking quite good today. <laughs> God bless your life, family.